Wars. Episode 0006. Tommy Boy vs. Dumb and Dumber. Fat Robot and a Little Fucking Toad. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again for Movie Wars. I'm your host, Kyle. Podcast, huh? All right. See you later. I can get a good look at a movie by sticking my head up a podcast ass, but I'd rather take a podcaster's word for it. I'm Drew, guys. And this is Phil. I'm never prepared for these moments because I'm an idiot. So I'm just going to just roll with that. Good work, Phil. Always doing your best work. (laughs) Always. Two weeks more between podcasts. that enough for you? Uh... Apparently not. <laughs> so Drew Drew is our matchmaker, and Drew did some some magic here. So when you listen to the last episode, we did Inception versus Matrix. Not only did that require a ton of research and did it lead us down some of the most philosophical, crazy diatribes, we were also under a tornado watch, and we all have children. Tornado warning. Tornado warning. Spread <laughs> there out. were actual tornadoes within the vicinity threatening Half to of our us. roof lifted off during the show. Yeah, and well, we still kept going. That's how much we care about your entertainment, you ungrateful fuck. The lie. <laughs> The life of a content creator. But uh, anyway, so Drew, he always makes matches. And at first I'm always like, well, I don't know. And then like he explains it and it makes total sense to me. And I'm so glad you picked this because we needed something lighthearted. Not that we didn't do the research. We still did just as much research, but we needed something a little less heady. We did Tommy Boy versus Dumb and Dumber. Turns out Tommy Boy is actually the headiest of them all because half the movie is shoving his head up a butcher's ass. I, I forgot it's, how it's a real meaty film yeah if you will. Just, yeah i got no beef with it you butchered that <laughs> oh, that was utterly uh, fantastic it was, <laughs> oh my god uh, <laughs> we're gonna milk this for all it's worth <laughs> oh my god <laughs> damn you why are you doing this again <laughs> no Let's raise the stakes it's oh, a oh. <laughs> hold on emphysema <laughs> Damn it, Kyle! Regain your composure. What was I? What was my story hook again? <laughs> Doesn't matter anymore. Just, so where I want to start with this is what's really interesting. Jeff Daniels, in the who's a dramatic actor who is not a comedic actor, who was there was a lot of resistance against Jeff Daniels getting him in this movie, being across Jim Carrey, who was a relative unknown at the time. Nineteen ninety four was incredible for Jim Carrey. The Mask, Ace Ventura, and Dumb and Dumber all came out. But Jeff Daniels says after making this movie, it made him realize that comedy and drama should be on the same footing, that the awards academy should look at them the same. Because of his experience experience being in such a high-level comedy, I think it made him realize that comedy is so much more than just getting the laugh. What I want to focus on with this this intro is that comedy is interesting because it's really easy to look at the periods of comedy. I think horror is a good example of a genre that has had a slide. I think it's gone from, there's been the intense moments, and it has little brief moments, like, you know, they had the Satan movies and the slasher movies, but overall, it's had a gradual decline into just as much blood as possible, uh, as much TNA as possible. But that being said, I don't want to generalize either, but I would say mainstream horror anyway. You could always get into your independent horror, but I love that comedy has very distinct eras. You know, we have slapstick eras. Comedies in the 80s had such a distinctive flavor. And also the 90s have such a distinctive flavor. Now we are 90s children. You know, we were born in the 80s, but mostly lived in the 90s. And maybe that's why I love these movies so much because they take me back. But these films have that buddy comedy, mm-hmm. 90s comedy feel. And they taste and they smell. All my five senses are thinking this is 90s buddy comedy. And buddy comedy was one of those weird genre. We had Wayne's World. And so much of it was inspired by SNL. So we had Wayne's World, we had Dumb and Dumber, Black Sheep, all these great duo movies. I think of new comedy 
comedies, and again, I don't want to generalize, but a lot of times I feel like mainstream comedy has kind of slid, and you can blame American Pie and those movies, National Lampoons, although American Pie was funny. They have injected a kind of like a dependence, right, on perversion, you know, breasts, you know, nudity, sex. And I'm not saying those things can't be funny, but... Breasts, <laughs> breasts yeah. nudity, and sex. Sex leads to dancing. In the 90s, the breasts were covered, but <laughs> as we got into the 2000s, it turns out the breasts somehow are uncovered. <laughs> I love that these comedies are about performers and performances. One thing that I learned, and I always knew that, you know, one of the things they would say about Chris Farley is had he lived longer, we would have seen him blossom into a dramatic actor. Dan Aykroyd, who is mostly known as a comedian, but lived in the world of drama as well, said watching him be physical on screen gave him the inkling that Chris Farley was a legitimate and could have been a dramatic actor. And we've seen it. And when you study film and read about film, it's very well known that comedic actors have a much easier time transitioning into dramatic roles than dramatic actors do transitioning into comedy. And that's because you can't teach comedy. And I'm speaking as a failed stand-up. You know, I was okay at it. I didn't make it too far, but I understand comedy. I love comedy. I love doing comedy. And I can tell you, timing and comedic acting and all those different things, you can't teach that. Watching these people without all the nudity of a modern comedy film, without all the tropes and the crutches, watching Jim Carrey and Chris Farley perform as physical comedian actors, not just with the jokes, but with their bodies, with their motions, with their face. How much of Dumb and Dumber is facial expressions? You're laughing at Jim Carrey making a face or doing something with his arms, like the kung fu scene during the dream sequence, waving his arms around, and he's doing it so well. And that's what I love about these films is that they are so physical, so comedic. And uh, yeah, I, I just think we're watching performances. And I'm not saying that we don't have great comedic performers today, but I think that was really distinctive to these two films and early 90s comedy in general. 90s comedy was also more overtly silly, I think, mm-hmm. than a lot of other comedy genres. Like, th- this is going way back, but you've got the really old stuff, like the Laurel and Hardy stuff from, what is it, the 1930s? Because they were originally silent film actors, and that had to have been all physical comedy. Mm-hmm. And then they transitioned into this time period where they can talk, and there was still that physical comedy where they're smacking each other and violence, like, you know, Laurel and Hardy, the Three Stooges, that really kind of silly, ridiculous, over-the-top physical comedy. And then, you know, you transition mm-hmm. through the ages and get into the 90s, where that kind of comes back, but in a, I would say, an even more aggressive way. Because Dumb and Dumber is hilarious, but man, that movie was, like you said, all facial expressions, all body language, all just complete overt absurdity. Brute physicality. Yeah, whereas now, like, the, the style is more dry and low-key and you know, all that good stuff. But, like, Dumb and Dumber and Tommy Boy and, you know, all the other great comedies in the 90s were were pretty aggressive. And not only dry, but so many comedies, like we talked about with other films on this podcast, shoved through the social lens, you know, how we view society today. You know, and it's funny to say, I think these are two relatively tame films compared to a lot of new comedies, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff that probably wouldn't pass muster today, even in these two PG-13 relatively tame films. I think it was kind of a dark time in history, too. There was a huge uptick in crime in the 90s. You had the OJ thing, you had the Rodney King stuff, you had... We just come out of Desert Storm 1. City bombing out, kind of right out of a war so the, I think silly humor like everybody was kind of craving just silly I say we I was five. well cinema's always reflected the era and yeah. we've spent a lot of time so far on this podcast in 80s movies and the funny part about you know the 80s was it was uh, the age of excess and glam and you know r- absurd cars and hair and and music and everything was over the top and overproduced and and too shiny and then you transition into the 90s after some really rough stuff and it's almost like society needed that counterbalance of overly aggressive comedy to counter the awful stuff that was going on in society like people 
just were sold out on the idea of things being absurd. Yes, exactly. And I think the the whole concept of buddy cop movies kind of started in the in the 80s with 48 Hours and Lethal Weapon. And so like obviously a few years later into the 90s is when they do a parody of that success. So we'll go into our question. So what is, first of all, here are my questions. How did you experience these films? Why are they unique to you? And who are you? Are you Richard or are you Tommy? <laughs> Uh, I saw these both when I was very, very young, before I probably should have. Tommy Boy was my... I have two older brothers. That was their all-time favorite movie, so I got to see it because they loved it. And I, even before I saw it, I knew every line from the movie because they quoted it endlessly. So there's always a special place in my heart for Tommy Boy. I resonate more with David Spade because of the snarky, cynical, like it just, it's, although I am, I was kind of a fat kid, so I also get that. But I, I resonate more with the David Spade, like the, because you know, he was like a nerdy little guy, like, and he just like eventually made it into Hollywood and won everyone over with his sense of humor. But Dumb and Dumber, I, I saw later on, I remember liking it, but being kind of grossed out a little bit by In some what of the way? scenes like the cop drinking the pee and just like the toilet humor i don't like and him like jeff daniels on the toilet just kind of <laughs> i wasn't old enough to really get oh man i don't know maybe it's not well maybe it wasn't age maybe it's just taste I, I don't take the toilet humor so i was like yeah it was excessive too i mean they that yeah. that scene was actually 10 minutes on. long and they yes. just cut a lot of it I and mean, that was they <laughs> went oh. after it i don't like toilet humor and i also don't think jeff daniels is funny hot take i don't know if we're gonna get to that we're not gonna get to that i don't want to get to that not with you phil oh man so my experience was the exact opposite um dumb and dumber was a movie that i watched with my dad in the mid 90s and i begged him to rent it from blockbuster of course because all my friends at school were talking about it i i was hearing it quoted all the time and it had already become like memes weren't around back then but it had already become like a societal meme across all age brackets and generations and so begged him to to rent it and he my dad was kind of an obligate naysayer and so he would uh just he's like i don't want to see it i don't want to see it so we finally rented it uh order some pizza sit down to watch it i'm like 10 or 11 years old and i have never prior to this or since then seen my father laugh as hard as he did while watching that movie the man was doubled over and on the couch laughing at some of these scenes and i was right there with him and it was like this weird father-son experience where we were watching probably one of the most immature movies ever made and dying the whole time and so dumb and dumber holds a really special place in my heart because that movie i've i've never laughed that hard watching a movie and i've never seen my dad laugh that hard and um tommy boy i actually just saw for the first time for this podcast and i don't know how I went so long without seeing it because I recognized almost every line. Huge Chris Farley fan, huge David Spade fan, somehow never saw Tommy Boy. I don't honestly know how that happened, but it was so weird watching it now for the first time. Didn't feel like I was watching it for the first time. It felt really familiar and it felt like something that I probably should have seen a long time ago. And so both of these movies are just comedy juggernauts and uh, it's really just killer to be sitting here talking about fucking Dumb and Dumber and Tommy Boy. Are you kidding me? And it speaks to the quotability too, talking about you didn't even see the movie, but but you knew the quotes and you were hearing the lines and you recognized all that. that oh just... my word, yes. Landmark influence when it comes to quotes, like household expressions. Both of these, yeah. Yes, yeah. both Crazy. of them. Like you, you cannot watch it and not be reminded time and time again, like, oh yeah, 
that like that, I can't tell the thing you, that everybody always says just in passing like like a, brothers got a hug how many like yes I say that so you're all the telling time. me there's a chance yeah. like <laughs> stuff like that it's like people Classics, just say man. that and they don't even think about what movie it's from anymore those your skis both, both of them, of them. <laughs> <laughs> I used to greet a friend with that like we would greet each other that way in high school like those your skis like that was that what we said it was from the movie it's just yeah. ridiculous hmm. or anytime anyone puts any piece of clothing on that doesn't fit fat guy <laughs> in a little coat so for these movies for me I actually don't remember exactly how I came into these movies they were all the rage I've watched them several times because they were very laughable there was these were kind of in a run of comedies I watched over and over again Wayne's World Wayne's World 2 uh, Tommy Boy Black Sheep and Dumb and Dumber I didn't love Ace Ventura as much but I did watch The Mask a lot and there was this weird run of 90s comedy that just was like on rotation if you needed a laugh you watched one of those movies like and they were the go to and obviously Obviously very inspired by SNL, not all of them, but some of them very inspired by, you know, David Spade, Chris Farley, Mike Meyer, Dana Carvey, all coming from SNL. And I feel like SNL had so much impact on the 90s and the the comedy films as well. So being an SNL fan, I naturally gravitated towards those films. And uh, I liked Jim Carrey. I didn't like love Jim Carrey, although I kind of was like a lot of kids. I feel like kids were swooned by Ace Ventura. You know what I mean? I I feel like it was the movie kids would quote, even though probably shouldn't have watched it. But I, uh, I thought Jim Carrey was hysterical. But I kind of found him more obnoxious. And I think actually Dumb and Dumber is his least obnoxious movie compared to the other two. I think Ace Ventura is over the top. It is. But Jim Carrey is, I mean, that's his brand of comedy. He's mm-hmm. a physical He's a physical comedian. He is one of the only people I think that can make you laugh by making funny faces. Like funny faces are like, to me, a dad thing to a little kid. Right. And the way he does it, I don't know if it's the way his face is shaped or what, but it's funny to me. Like yeah. that. That guy knows how to make people laugh by being a dumbass, and it's the best thing ever. I do think it was a sweet spot for parents and kids. Like it, it was marketed to both kids mm. and parents because of the zany humor. I mean, I remember as my friends when I was younger, they'd always quote, you know, somebody stop me. Oh, yeah. You know, just tons of Jim Carrey quotes. Like that was like I mean, think playground about chat. He made an entire movie based on something covering his face to where his face had to take on a, an entire life of its own. I mean, that's how I guess ubiquitous his, his mm. facial comedy was. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. He made the mask. Yeah, and that's what what's interesting and and it's hard not to we try to focus on these movies for their time and not compare them to sequels or other things but looking back through Jim Carrey's career and watching him become a dramatic actor makes me think of a lot of things first of all it makes me sad that we didn't get to see Chris Farley all these actors I watched um I watched I am Chris Farley the biography for this podcast all the people were just like amazing physical actor it would have been amazing to see what he would have done dramatically and I think you said this in a text Phil but we just have a big what if there we don't know because eventually he did better Beverly Hills Ninja, and he hated it, and he hated himself for doing it because he felt like it was the biggest exploitation of his weight, and that he, I think he was disappointed that he never got to branch out into something more serious. But Jim Carrey, we did see that. Steve Carell, I think, is one of, and Jonah Hill are two of the best examples I can think of today of two comedic actors that have shown such dramatic range, and it's really, I, I think that's changed the way I watch these posthumously because watching them as a kid, it was pure comedy, pure joy. Now it's like these are amazing actors and performers doing things that not nine. 
99% of performers can't do. You said posthumously. Like, you mean, like, because Farley's gone? Well, posthumously for Farley, to clarify, but uh, in post, post-mortem, watching right. after the films are made, have been spent a lot of time on the shelves. Going back and watching them now is different knowing what Jim Carrey could do later in his career. And it's kind of sad because I feel like a lot of, I mean, you're a comic, so you know you, you kind of channel a lot of your pain and your hurt and your past trauma and you use that in your craft so knowing that the same thing that drove his brilliance on screen is ultimately what he couldn't overcome in life it's really just it's so tragic and yeah the world missed out on getting to see what he was truly capable of well on a counter to that uh, uh not countering the exact point you made because obviously that's very correct with chris farley but um i think something that was uncommon about jim carrey and and this is something that i read recently and i I could be totally wrong about it but i read an interview with jim carrey recently where he described where his comedy came from and it came from an internal drive to make people smile because he watched his father live in that way who and his father's whole goal was to just make people laugh and smile and he wanted to do that and that mm-hmm. was jim carrey's driver so i don't i mean i'm sure there was pain somewhere in jim carrey's life that came out in his comedy but an interesting thing about him as a comedian is at least from what i have seen and read his comedy came from a really genuine place of of just literally wanting to make people mm-hmm. smile, not necessarily an outlet for pain or a counterpoint for pain or something like that. It was mm-hmm. it was an authentic mm-hmm. place of just, he was silly because he was silly. But what ends up happening to great comics, I'm not saying all of them, I, I think Will Ferrell is an exception where he's he's managed to seem like a seem, we don't know these people, but like a normal person. Whereas, you know, the characters of these people that we develop, we develop attachments to the people they become on screen. Like, I know that's why Dave Chappelle literally just randomly walked away from all that money because people wouldn't stop saying Rick James bitch to him in front of his kid at Disneyland like he just snapped. Uh, I know that Jim yep. Carrey, one of the reasons he ended up the way he did you know, if I don't know if you've seen his paintings he's an amazing painter, but they're kind of disturbing he's very, he's a political satirist now he's very, he's seemed very on edge and even though he says he's doing all the yoga and get through the stuff, you can tell like mentally he's not doing well. Um, Chris Farley when he talked about Beverly Hills Ninja, it's something you talked about the pain and uh, you know, even though maybe Jim Carrey didn't go into it for those reasons, eventually he had to live up to the character that he created for himself, which is this crazy, insane, physical comic, Ace Ventura, Mm -hmm. talking with his ass. Chris Farley, always a weight thing, always about his body. And Dave Chappelle became the Rick James thing. So it's really interesting, no matter what the motives are, it's interesting watching comics. And I think the reason they can transition to the drama so well is because like what Drew said, you do tap into that stuff because you're making light of things that actually weigh on you heavily, that actually hurt your heart. It's really hard. I mean, I think these comedians have so much range because they can tap into that stuff but because they're comedians and they're comics they te- they become known for these caricatures that they create and they they get faced with it and it's kind of a weird curse like usually I don't feel empathetic for celebrities you know because they have all the money they have all the mansions but I can be empathetic for this idea that they want something more they want to be great they want to be they want to do drama they want to do all this other stuff it just demonstrates to me at least because this is something I've personally thought a lot about because you know I think everybody thinks like well if I just had this everything would be fine or if you know this thing was different in my life everything would be fine I mean it just demonstrates the fact that like our lives are just a sliding scale of pain when you experience it and how you manage it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these comedians had the money, they had the fame, but they still had their demons and that money and all the money and the fame doesn't make that go away. And, and you know, if their demons come out in that comedy, then that's how they're dealing with it. And But at the end of the day... They're going to sleep and those demons are still there. Yep. And there's nothing, you know, there's yeah, and that's any art form. Deep counseling yeah. or I don't know yeah. what would take care of and that. What do they say? Like, money makes you more of what you are. Is that a quote? 
Sure. Yeah, it because is. it probably emboldens you to mm-hmm. to just not care as much. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of my favorite all-time quotes is a Jim Carrey quote, and that's, uh, I wish everyone could be rich and famous so that they could see that it's not enough. Yes. That's so good. It's, oh. He it's said amazing. that? Yeah. That was, that's gosh. actually been a life-changing quote for me. Yeah, it's so, so good. And it's everything I've seen on him makes me, it points to the fact that he's a pretty solid dude. Like he's, I think he's got his mm-hmm. head on pretty genius as straight as any of us could have our heads on because in all reality it's like if anybody you know if anyone listening thinks that anyone has their shit together they don't yeah that's what hollywood or even the guy walking next to you on the street would uh verify so we got a little Mm. deeper than i think we meant to on the podcast about two of the greatest comedies ever (laughs) yes but uh yeah fuck all right let's do some randos here let's start with dumb and dumber one of the most interesting things about this is Dumb and Dumber, no studio wanted to make it, and a lot of it was because they didn't want to do a film called Dumb and Dumber. And there was a lot of stipulations around this movie. A lot of great actors turned it down. Um, in fact, one of the stipulations for a studio making this film was it had to have one of or the duo had to be two of the top 25 actors, highest paid actors in Hollywood. Oh my God. All 25 of them turned this movie down. It just shows that the greatest ideas often go disrespected. I mean, how many, the, the Beatles, you know, arguably at this point, because of where we are in society, arguably the one of the greatest bands ever. They were turned down by every single label they mm-hmm. they they pitched their demos to, and every single label probably regrets it to this day. But the great the greats always get turned down on the first go. Hold on, go. though. Would you say that? Wouldn't you say that Dumb and Dumber's genius is Jim Carrey? Yeah. Does that oh, movie sure. is that movie a success? It doesn't even Jim? exist. They tried it. Remember, they did Dumb and Dumber or that prequel that got absolutely shat on because it was horrible. Right. With- so I, th- I I guess just just to, for the sake of argument, the counterpoint, your Beatles reference, it's not like Jim was already in the movie. That's it wasn't like point. his brainchild that studios turned down. The idea in and of itself is really not interesting. Mm-hmm. It's Jim that made it incredible. And I keep calling True. him Jim because he and I are good buddies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. hang well, out all Jeff and I, not so much. A list of actors that turned it down, speaking of Nicolas Cage, Martin Short, Steve Martin, Gary Oldman. The fuck would a Nicolas Cage done in this movie? I guess he Look would have been Jeff Daniels. At the camera. I'm going to steal the suitcase the of independence. Oh, for- God damn <laughs> You're it. You're forgetting, oh. though. Nicolas Cage had an era. Matchstick men. Dude, great Nicolas Cage quote. Oh, what, what is he? Uh, when what's her name sits on the fucking stick shifter and gone in 60 seconds? I don't remember the quote, but he says something funny there. Go watch it for yourself, you lazy son of a bitch. Yeah, right, cut that shit. <laughs> I love that. It's a great quote. Wait, what quote was it? We just talked about the it two of the most matter. quotable like movies forgetting. of all time. Yeah. I love this fact because The Shining is a top 10 movie. The hotel where they're getting all the hair done and the cut, the haircut and the nostril hair trimmed and their nails trimmed. That is the same hotel. That's the Overlook Hotel from The Shining. No way. Yep. Um, and lastly, Jeff Daniels' agents told him not to take the movie because it would ruin his career. They Obviously, were, they were wrong. <laughs> they were very wrong. I would have been Jeff Daniels' agent. Don't do this. You're not funny. Cynical, Drew. All right, randos for Tommy Boy. Rob Thomas Lo- Mann. Thomas Mann. <laughs> Rob Lowe was originally cast to be Richard, David Spade's character. I could see that working. Yeah. I could see them flipping scenes yeah. And, yeah. and it working. Yeah. Rob Lowe has a thing. I, I It's weird. I, I usually am pretty, I, I can be pretty poetic about why I like actors. I don't know why I like Rob Lowe. It's because he's objectively good looking. He's gorgeous. And doesn't age. He no. doesn't age. He's gorgeous. He even like, had a cocaine phase and he still looks amazing. <laughs> 
What actor worth their salt hasn't had a cocaine phase? And seeing him in Parks and Rec, he totally did something I had never seen him do, and he was so perfect. I just, I just was like, okay, whatever you want Rob Lowe to do, I'll accept it. I will accept Rob Lowe. David Spade, I love this fact. David Spade refused to let his hairstylist work on his hair. So <laughs> that sounds amazing. like a David Spade thing. It does sound like a David, but he wanted his hair to have that weird, messy schoolboy thing. What's with the second in these movies having weird hair? By the way, David Spade, Harry. Yeah, they both have the weird hair thing going. It's amazing. But that is a David Spade thing. But I think it's funny because once you hear that fact, you're like, yeah, his hair's kind of crazy in this movie. Can we just talk about the fact that Lloyd's last name is Christmas? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> when Lloyd Christmas makes a promise. <laughs> you could see why studios read the script and they saw a guy's last name was Christmas in a movie that had nothing to do with Christmas and was like, what the hell? Pass. So last random fact. So there's the roster, the history class roster. I think it's like where they they were seeing who passed and where Chris Farley was like, I got a D plus. That scene, there are names on that list that are crazy, like Helen Keller and Debbie Little, like Little Debbie. Oh my God. They're just oh, funny. funny. It's just a list full of random weird names. A yeah. lot of people love go to Easter school egg. for seven years. <laughs> yeah, they're Doctor. called doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Great quote. Great quote. That's a Tommy Boy quote, not Dumb and Dumber. Is that why we should go to the war card now? Let's war. Let's, Let's war. war. <laughs> yeah. Explosion. Natural sound effects. Yeah. Practical effects will age better in 4K and 8K and beyond. Oh, yeah. All right. We're going to start where we always start. Best top bill cast. True. Tommy Boy. Easy. Chris Farley, one of the funniest humans ever to live. David Spade, top 20, I'd say, funniest people ever on the screen. On the other side, we're looking at Jim Carrey. Obviously, he's top 10 for me, but Jeff Daniels, just not funny. I don't think he's funny. I think he's a he's a serious actor who didn't have the chops to do comedy. Jim Carrey put him on his back and carried him to the finish line. Tommy Boy, easy for me. Man, hot take, Phil. Woo! That's super hot. I don't know if I can sit here. Not to disrespect. And, and, and disrespect this is, him. This is a tough one because when you're dealing with somebody who's passed away, obviously there's going to be a lot of posthumous love and respect for them. But I'm going to go dumb and dumber here. Jim Carrey is a living legend and he was amazing in that movie and I think Jeff Daniels was amazing also in that film I know Drew strongly disagrees but uh, he provided a, a bizarre counter to Jim Carrey's zaniness and I still thought he was funny I mean he had a way of delivering those lines with like this weird midwestern charm um, or wherever he's from I felt like he had like some kind of midwestern accent throughout that movie but um, man he I thought them as a duo in that film was unstoppable and I'd, I'd have to go strong, dumb, and dumber. Just the way he says Lloyd. I love yeah, it when Lloyd, he says Lloyd. And then, I mean, after he says like, well, we successfully made it a bulldog and a shih tzu. And then, I mean, he's like, when he says bullshit, I feel like he can barely keep a straight face. And maybe that that is a mark of him not being a great comedic actor. But I mean, it looks like he could barely get that line out without genuinely busting out laughing at himself. Mm-hmm. And that that scene always gets me. Before I give my winner here, I do want to pose a question to Drew. Jeff Daniel says in the special features that one of the reasons they wanted to go with him is because they needed an actor that could absorb Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's so big. Who would you have liked in this role? Because, I mean, I, I, can you imagine trying to be a dramatic actor entering Jim Carrey? David Carrey's- Spade, perhaps? No. Tell me why. I, th- I Oh, here's my deal. I think it's just a lot funnier to have a dumb guy and a kind of smart guy okay. than it is to have two complete morons. I think that's my rub. Is that writing or is that Jeff Daniels? Be called dumb and not as dumb. Dumb and went to commu- <laughs> dumb and went to community okay, college. We're, we're getting into a whole dumb different and, conversation. No, it's okay. This dumb is cool. and smart. 
<laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Dumb I, and serviceable. I'm just curious. I, for me, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm wondering. I just think Jim Carrey is a lot funnier at being dumb than Jeff is. I think Jeff would actually play a snarky, like, you're a dumbass kind of character than he played being also a dumb guy. He just felt a little bit redundant and... Redundant. Redundant. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't get him started. Da dum Ching. Uh, and I think that another component of it is is the toilet humor. I just oh. don't I don't vibe with that. And that was his whole deal. Like the peeing on the bike and the peeing in the bottle and the shitting on the toilet. Like it's like, okay, we get it. This isn't That's a funny. Good point. There's a it's lot of toilet like, humor. He's leaning a lot like you mentioned vulgarity, like how people lean too much nowadays on on language and sex and stuff. Like to me, like leaning on toilet jokes is just not clever. It's not That's smart. fair. It's, it's not interesting. There's it's, a shit ton of it. It's cheap. <laughs> it's cheap butt. B-U-T-T butt. <laughs> nice. That shit scene still, I mean, maybe it just speaks to my immaturity, but that, that scene still gets me. Like, know. when he is ripping up that toilet, and it's like almost like his his diarrhea is controlling him instead of the other way around. Yeah. Dude, I mean, that just gets me every time. And then mm. He opens the window to fan it out. It's. I mean, I, I totally get why it would not be funny to somebody, because toilet humor is cheap humor. Yeah. Just like uh, what Bill Burrow he says, you know, dick jokes are cheap. You know, right? No, anybody can do dick jokes. Anybody can do toilet jokes. But like, you know, just like anybody can also make a grilled cheese sandwich. Some people just do it better than others. And again, to be clear, let me clarify. I am a Jeff Daniels fan. I think he was great in Jeff Daniels. I, <laughs> I think he was great in The Martian. I think he was great in Newsroom. I think he was great in State of Play. I think you know he's done a lot of stuff that I love. I think he's brilliant. I just don't think he's funny. That's all. Well, I'll go into my answer now. And I do want to say on on that, when you talked about Jim Carrey, plays a really good dumb guy. It's I can't believe how well he plays a dumb guy. That's why I think he's a great actor, even though he's funny and dumb. Being Acting that dumb is not, I don't think it's an easy thing. No. Like I, he, the way he portrays, like, that's hard. Like, that is hard what he's doing. But I do have to go dumb and dumber on this. And it's hard because I'm so loyal. I'm actually a bigger Chris Farley fan than I am a Jim Carrey fan. And because of SNL, I am a giant David Spade fan. I love David Spade. But I do think he's a one-trick pony. Aside from Joe Dirt, where he was still kind of David Spade, he is the sarcastic dickhead in a lot of movies. When I've seen him do stand-up, sarcastic dickhead. All of his characters in SNL, sarcastic dickhead. Now, it's amazing, and there are no better sarcastic... Oh, he's amazing, yeah. There are no better sarcastic dickheads, but (laughs) he is the biggest dick in the sarcastic dickhead Correct. Dick he pool. is the head. He's the head of the sarcastic dick, dick clan. Yeah, but you know what you're going to get from him. I, I don't know that the dude can do any drama. And again, I want to keep it to the context of the movie. But I don't just. I just see a lot of range from Chris Farley, and I love Brian Dennehy because I love Rambo and I love uh, First Blood. But he's not in the film very long. But I think he's a great dad, but he's not in the movie that long. And then... Uh, That's supporting cast, though. That is support. Would we consider that? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, keep that cart behind the horse. Kyle, you're so right. And then Bo Derek, you know, I did, once Bo Derek gets in the movie for me, and I know that support that supporting guys will get to it. I'm anyway, I go dumb and dumber. <laughs> it's like, what are we moving category? Because I do like Jeff Daniels a lot, and I think I think he says in his special features he was there to absorb Jim Carrey. I think he does a great job. I love the midwestern thing that you were playing on. I, I think he I think he plays it well. I, I think he got a, his hair is grungy. He's unkempt. I he looks awful in that. He film. looks <laughs> it, repulsive. That's a good point though. Absorb-
absorbing Carrie is no small feat. And still, think about Carrie just chews up every scene. Because think about going into it, Daniels had never been across from him. What does he have to go on? By this point, the mask and Ace Ventura had come out. He's like, who wants to be across from that guy? But yeah, I go dumb and dumber in this category. So, all right, one zero, dumb, dumber. All right, best supporting cast. Phil, let's start with you this time. Ooh, wrong guy to start with because I haven't thought through this. Um, I picked you because you love start. Good. Tommy Boy, easy. I agree. Brian Dennehy, legend. I'm learning a lot about you tonight. Rob Lowe, legend. Good call. Bo Derek, lovable. You can Not kind in of this movie. believable that she would be into Chris Farley. No offense. Mean broad. Like cute enough, but like also like it's Chris Farley. It would be she couldn't be like super hot. I agree. Uh Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber is, who is dominated there? by There is no one else. By, by uh, yeah. Dumb and Dumber is dominated by Jim Carrey and uh and Jeff Daniels. And there's there's really no one beyond that except maybe the redheaded girl, whatever her name is. Lauren Holly? Yeah. Um Yeah, Lauren Holly. Nobody cares about Lauren Holly. Yeah. Oh, Dan Aykroyd is in Tommy Boy. My, yes. It's a no-brainer. Oh, yeah. no Tommy Legend. Boy all the way. Legend. Tommy Boy slam dunk from half court, like just <laughs> launching and being carried by anti-gravity into the basket. Tommy Boy. I almost went dumb and dumber on this, but when you reminded me Dan Aykroyd, and you all know I love Ghostbusters, like in an unhealthy way. I was going to almost go with dumb and dumber because as a comedian, Harlan Williams as the police officer that pulls them over. Did you guys watch on the special features the outtakes? There's like an hour of outtakes of Harlan Williams just talking to them when he drinks the piss. Mm. He is such a great comic. As an actor, yes, that noise. As an actor, he's a great comedic actor. And I think the guy that plays mental... And the guy that plays, so Mike Starr, who plays Mental, Karen Duffy, who plays JP, I think those are all great actors. But Dan Aykroyd, as a supporting character, is just too heavy for me. So I'm, I'm going to go Tommy Boy, too, even though I love Harlan Williams in this movie. Yeah. You guys swayed me on that one. That doesn't ever happen, by triple the way. Triple Tommy. All he had to say was Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> we just landed a triple Tommy. Triple Tommy. Sounds like a skateboarding trip. You knew my button with Dan Aykroyd. So the winner of this category would be the one that you would want to go on the buddy duo trip with. What would be the best trip for you guys? This is a bro category. Phil, can you start this time? I'll start this one. You need to go watch it again real quick to get uh, some prep yeah, in? Hang on. <laughs> okay, I watched it. Um, I would want to go on the buddy bro trip with the Dumb and Dumber guys because they seem to fuck up in a way that keeps the train moving. Mm-hmm. Like, they they mess up accidentally. They they they, they fuck up upward. Versus... <laughs> they fail forward. Yeah, they fail they forward. They fuck forward. <laughs> Whereas... They fuck upward. <laughs> oh I don't know what that sound what is. What the fuck, Kyle? What just happened? But anyway... I feel like an alien is going to burst out of your chest they, right now. Yeah, we covered that in episode two. It just dropped today. <laughs> now that'll give you a hint on how far behind we are. We're a fucking podcast. I thought I smoked too much. <laughs> I didn't smoke half as much as you do. I just go oh, bad shit. Anyway, yeah, they fuck upward. Um, they just keep landing on their fucky little feet, whereas the, the Tommy Boy, David Spade thing... I feel like poor Chris Farley can't get out of his own way. However, anybody that happens on the prehistoric forest, I might want to join in. That's <laughs> you were not obsessed enough. with that scene. <laughs> that scene killed me. I had me. forgotten about that scene. I yeah. don't know why. Okay, I have a real bizarre random sense of humor. Like, weird shit makes me laugh. And for whatever reason, that, that prehistoric forest thing in the background of that scene, I was laughing the entire time and almost missed the whole scene because of how bizarre prehistoric forest was. And then the fact that after David Spade beat the shit out of Chris Farley with a stick or whatever. 
a two by four. He just turns around and goes, "Oh look, prehistoric forest," and walks toward it, and that's the end of the scene. And that that just did it for me. However, buddy trip, dumb and dumber. I I I, I would want to go on a trip with those guys because they they just they just seem to fuck up in all the right ways, and it's great. I'm gonna go. Uh, it's gonna be a big shocker. I'm gonna go Tommy Boy first of all because Lifer. because David Spade I feel like would be someone I could kind of empathize with and like he could like express frustrations about Farley to me and and vice versa whereas if I were on the dumb and dumber sheepdog train not so much I'd feel like a loner I feel like I I couldn't escape the idiocy the idiocracy so I'd just be joining in I'd be no like brand. mock yeah <laughs> ing yeah and I'd want to claw my own eyes out yeah I'd want to rip my arm off just so I had something to throw at both of them and I'm with Drew on this I as much I love watching Dumb and Dumber but to actually be between those two then what is the part you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world that would make me want to jump out of the car <laughs> that would fun to watch uh, not be yeah. a part of the sound he totally. made though I mean come on and like you said I and I didn't answer this question earlier but I would be Richard in this situation even though I look more like Chris Farley I ha- feel more like Richard and I, I would totally empathize with him I love the sense of humor i think he'd be good for ride i think watching tommy become a great salesman and saving the company i think that gives you a little bit of a mission which millennials are yes, completely obsessed with dumb running dumber. towards something as opposed to running from some guy it's, it's just way better yeah and tommy dumb and boy. dumber i mean they they meant to give him pills and they gave him rat poison i mean you could die on that trip literally i mean you were putting yourself in danger even though the deer was a little crazy i'm going i'm going tommy boy so we're at two to one tommy boy speaking of the deer the next category what would you rather be the the bird that got his head twisted off and given to the blind kid or the deer. I'm going to start us on this one. I want to be that deer. The deer comes back to life, destroys the car. That bird, to sit there and have your decapitated head and that be your that be your image on the world, that's why I want to be the deer. I feel like the deer took ownership in this, in Tommy Boy. I'm going to be the deer. Um, Phil will be the deer as well. And here's why. That scene made me laugh so hard that I had to pause the movie. <laughs> to get through my laughter because he was just destroying that car and then what just did it for me is they cut to Chris Farley and David Spade just watching in horror or awe or whatever it is then they cut back to the car and the deer is standing on the trunk in victory and dominance and died died laughing and that was great so I would and you had never seen it you weren't expecting it I, right dude I was never expecting was, it like I I feel like that scene would stand up in a movie now totally like, that wasn't just a 90s comedy scene I felt like that entire scene was universally funny and so ahead of its time and I just loved every second and what's funny about it is Richard is not the kind of guy that seems like a guy with a cool car like that's like the only cool thing in the movie is he's got this cool car but he's such <laughs> a dick and yes torn up. Vindication and the deer destroys the only cool thing that this guy who obviously was bullied in high school has. I just it's just such <laughs> a great. I think it's dead and it's not and it just comes back to life. Like, and their come on, faces. Ah! I'm gonna go. Drew. I'm gonna go the cow from the cow tipping scene. Mm. I'm just kidding. Failed uh, cow tipping. Uh, either way, I'm gonna go Tommy Boy. But yeah, I agree. The deer for sure. I love. <laughs> First of all, I love that David Spade kind of is sort of a, an equalizer. It's like you stop being such an asshole. You got your car screwed up. So there. And also just just Farley's response. Like, I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was 
awesome. <laughs> so so good. good. All right, Tommy Boy, commanding lead here, three to one. All right, and it, what's funny about these categories, we have a lot of bro categories on this one. There were a lot of commonalities. We had a lot of livestock, a lot of uses of condiments like ketchup and mustard, a lot of police stuff. Best thwarting of the police technique, the urine in the beer bottle, or pretending that you're being attacked by bees. What's the better strategy? Let's go with Drew. As much as I detest and despise the scene... <laughs> I'm going to say the beer bottle because I do think it would be the most effective because, I mean, one sip of the beer and... And Harlan sells it. Yeah. The way he acts. When he starts to bend over, he's selling it. Also, the beer scene because I don't... This was probably just me, but the... the, um, What are you guys doing there? You doing a little boozing? Sucking back on grandpa's (laughs) cough medicine? Harlan Williams. I mean, that quote is just... And the way he's just smirking like he knows something. And then the fact that the cop takes the beer and drinks it. Then that weird ass sound he makes. I mean, that whole scene. I can't do it. I tried. Or whatever. Like, it's just. That was a stroke of comedic genius. That scene is so bizarre from top to bottom. The bees thing, I was watching that scene being, you know, I saw the movie for the first time. And I was watching that scene like, I feel like those cops would know there were no bees, but. You know, as absurd as the concept of a Pennsylvania state trooper pulling over um, two guys in a in a dog bus, is. <laughs> the dog bus, like and, and then asking oh. to drink their beer. The way that yeah, Harlan Williams reacted to that and his quotes from that scene. I mean, he's yes. in that movie for all of three minutes, and it's brilliant. My that favorite was an, scene. That was another example of the landmark quote thing when he said, sucking, uh, Suck throwing down some of grandpa's, grandpa's cough syrup. Cough That's another, medicine. people say that. They yeah. refer to booze as grandpa's cough syrup. It's from <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. Like, it's just so good. And I don't know for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that was mostly improv because a lot of the special features show him just keep, they just keep doing takes and he keeps saying different things and all of them oh, were funny. Okay. They literally could have chosen from 50 different different things he said oh. and that's why i love harlan that's why i almost went best supporting man he um the way he sells that scene too with the, like the smirk on his face like he thinks he's got these guys and then he tastes the beer and he, he's something about him is so put i mean obviously you're drinking piss hopefully you'd be put off by it but like the fact that he's that put off by it that he lets them go <laughs> I mean, what a stupid scene, but I love it. And the comedic geniuses, instead of saying something about him drinking piss, he makes that noise. And it's such a creative noise. Like, you'd think you, you would want to get, like, pukey or, like, like, it's coming back it. up. But he was just like, like, it's just so <laughs> also, not predictable. That, just for me, that is a scene that I remember seeing for the first time as a 11-year-old or something. And I remember being in pain laughing from it and that that scene that reaction to that scene is so like ingrained in me from childhood that like when i see it you know i anticipate it coming and it still hits me hard and it still makes me laugh so it's just an insane scene it's my favorite scene in that movie i know it's got a lot of great scenes but that is the one that sticks with me tom uh dumb and dumber on this one what is more noble uh lloyd delivering the suitcase back to mary or saving the father's company what's a more noble whoever wins this category is the most noble going tommy boy here trying to save your father's company is far more noble than he was trying to deliver that suitcase back dude wanted to fuck dudes do some crazy shit to have sex and that movie was all about driving across the country in a dog bus to have sex with a girl in aspen or, or to get her yeah spend the rest of his life with her or whatever um so yeah nobility factor goes to tommy trying to save his dad's company Easy. yeah because as i totally agree because as dumb as tommy is 
that's still a noble, normal thing that any son would want to do. Like yeah. you know, to follow, follow in his father's footsteps who just passed away and not let us, you know, that's a, that's a thing that normal people would do. So Tommy boy, easy. Yeah, this is a pretty easy category and I go Tommy boy. And, uh, this is one of the, the reason I picked this category, it's one of the few differentiators. Like even though there's a lot of subtle nuances here, there's a lot more sentimentality in Tommy boy than there is in dumb and dumber. The premise of dumb and dumber is pretty dumb for the most part. So definitely going Tommy boy on this one as well. All right. I love this one. If you are wrestling fan which duo would win a cage match would it be richard and tommy or lloyd and harry i'm actually gonna go dumb and dumber here same why well mainly not it says less about dumb and dumber characters as it does tommy boy i think tommy is too fat and slow and i think david spade <laughs> is too scrawny and weak although he dominates tommy who's twice his size he dominates him <laughs> I feel like I'm the leper over here in the corner making dumb jokes and everybody's like, ah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> no. I also go dumb and dumber because Jeff Daniels is big for one. That guy's, I feel like he's really tall. Jim Carrey, I also feel like is pretty tall and, and just size notwithstanding, those dudes would beat the shit out of somebody solely because of how ridiculous they are. I feel like they find a way to accidentally either beat or kill everybody that stands in their way <laughs> in those movies. Whereas Chris Farley and David Spade don't come off as fighters. I just don't think they get the job done. I, I don't feel like I'm justifying this point really well, but you know what? It doesn't fucking matter. This is one third my podcast, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> Get out of my way. <laughs> I think if the category were any other kind of competition, mm -hmm. like that that involved thinking or strategy Wits. or brain, yeah, wit. If this were like a paintball match or a laser tag or something where you could like flank people and outthink your opponent, definitely go Tommy Boy because of David Spade. But Dumb and Dumber, they're just Phil would like to say something. However, this actually is a great segue into something I was thinking watching Dumb and Dumber. Is this movie not a great, very extreme illustration of the fact that there might be a really thin line between completely insane and stupid and completely brilliant. So are these guys so dumb that they have no inhibitions, they have no ability to limit themselves or think through their actions Ultimate to naivety. the point that they are so carnally and reactivity driven that they would just get the job done because they're so fucking stupid. It's almost like the whole ignorance is bliss concept. They're so ignorant and dumb to the world around them. That is what makes them so effective and that whole movie is kind of like a funny parody on the fact that they're effective because they're so dumb yeah i mean they eluded the fbi yeah i mean not the fbi was like we're what did the what did mental say we're dealing with some specialists here i mean they, and that, they, that was the funny running joke throughout the movie is like mm -hmm. we're dealing these guys are pros you know they're so bad that they're good it's like if if mm -hmm. good and bad is is some kind of circle these guys exist on the point of it that crosses over into being good and whereas david spade's character is obviously very smart very learned and very capable is he smart and learned and capable enough to predict the stupidity that would come out of two of the dumbest guys in the we're world we're definitely venturing we're, we're channeling matrix inception back into this because you're talking about a very philosophical comment about how dangerous stupidity is it's unpredictable they're very dangerous i mean they keep killing people on accident and they keep hurting people on they steal millions <laughs> of dollars on accident heads are falling yeah. <laughs> being them, just being themselves is dangerous. I mean, they have, yeah. like you said, the bird's head fell off. They took all that money. They killed mental with rat pills. Just by being them, they are the most dangerous force by far out of the two. In fact, Lloyd in his dream.
dream when he's fantasizing about Mary, he fantasizes about ripping the chef's heart out and just looking at it, putting it in a to-go bag. Gives him, I mean, he yeah. is dreaming about violence. There's a level of stupid there that crosses over into genius. I think that's a great point. I'm glad we hit that. We're tied. Four to four. And we still have three great categories left. Let's see. All right. This is my favorite category. I would like to start off. The best use of condiments. Both of these movies feature condiments in a big way. In Dumb and Dumber, when uh, Lloyd is getting his neck shaved and he pretends that his neck is bleeding out and he's got the ketchup packet. Oh, man. I, I have to go Dumb and Dumber here solely because of to me one of the another one of the most memorable scenes in Dumb and Dumber where Jim Carrey is uh Jim Carrey shooting the mustard and the ketchup in his mouth or something or is it Jeff Daniels is shooting the mustard and the ketchup in his mouth and then hands it over to Jim Carrey and, and Jim Carrey same. shoots it vertically and tries to drink from it like a fountain and it's like this 2 second scene and something about the visual of those squiggly red and yellow lines shooting vertically out of those two <laughs> plastic containers and Jim Carrey trying to eat them while his mouth is on fire kills me every time and that's that's one of those iconic scenes this isn't a condiment but i want to go with the the scene where he's ripping the roll because the roll is naughty you're naughty yep that's what i gotta go that is that is really good but i do want to give credit i do love how the ketchup in tommy boy is prompts david spade to be able to use the sarcasm is oh i can actually hear you getting fatter because he's eating the french fries (laughs) and then he shoots the ketchup into his mouth i mean that is a legendary way to hammer fries But I'll add more fuel to the Dumb and Dumber fire with the condiments. What is something that people still say to this day, completely out of context, doesn't even matter what you're doing? Kick his ass, sea bass. And why is that? The salt. He takes salt. I didn't even think of the salt. Throws it over his shoulder at a dude. It's like you're supposed to throw some salt over your shoulder for good luck. And he takes the whole shaker, throws it, and hits a guy who has a hat on that says Weiner Diner 69er. I mean, (laughs) dude. That's pretty iconic. You just made. Made me remember that the salt is a condiment. The is this whole movie is about condiments? <laughs> it's, it is. I mean, there's ketchup, mustard, salt, and they're using it in really damaging ways. They should have called others. it ketchup and even ketchup dinner rolls. rolls. It's all stuff on the table before your entree comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Best category maybe ever on Movie Wars. Really really good. Andre table settings. Yes. Oh, I love this one. Both of these movies, we talked earlier in the intro about how 90s these movies are. Great 90s soundtrack. Rocking guitars, distorted guitars. What is the best 90s soundtrack? Usually we go best music, but I'm specifically saying, what is the best 90s soundtrack? Let's start with Drew. I gotta be honest, neither, neither soundtrack really stood out to me. That's never something that I have gone back to or thought about. Sounds like a personal problem. So, uh, since I like Tommy Boy more than I like Dumb and Dumber, and because Jeff Daniels is not funny, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do say, it. Oh my god, I'm say Tommy Boy. Own your votes. That's great. I hope you all enjoy Drew's very last podcast with the Movie Wars. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. By the way, love Jeff Daniels. <laughs> Just not this funny. is this is another one where I'm going to go Dumb and Dumber because there is a guitar riff that keeps appearing over and over again in the movie in long shots where they're, they're the camera's pulling back and it's usually some kind of journey shot where they're going from place to place or something significant is happening in the movie and this rhythm guitar riff where it's like and then and they do it a ton of times throughout the movie and that would only fly in the 90s because it's just a dude playing an electric guitar Mm -hmm. which is so 90s like the return of grunge the return of rock and that every time I heard that uh, riff in the movie especially watching it this time Mm -hmm. around it was like I I, like perked up like oh Mm -hmm. what's about to happen and so I I would say neither of these movies had amazing soundtracks but whatever they were doing with the electric guitar and Dumb and Dumber was uh, 
It was memorable to me. Uh, I go Dumb and Dumber here, too, because crazy admission, I listen to the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack all the time. I've listened to it more than I've watched the movie. It's, it's got, got some great songs. So many. What is it? Mary Moo? Is it Mary Moo? Yeah, yeah. She's that's a vegetarian. One. Yep. That's another one. Yeah. There are very few soundtracks where I remember word for word the lyrics, but there are some great songs, and everything sounds like the Gin Blossoms to me. So I go dumb and dumber on this. And uh, unfortunately, even though we have one amazing category left, I mean, it's six to four and it cinches it for, for dumb and dumber. But we do have to do this last category because it's so important to these films. And it really is a theme, the most quotable, because we all, here's one thing that I was thinking about earlier. And I should have talked about this in the intro. The greatest comedies are quotable. I think of Anchorman, Absolutely. Anchorman is, and, and other guys being modern versions. After you saw Anchorman, how many times did you hear people quoted yep. i still oh, anchorman is possibly one of the most quotable movies ever and yeah. i i mean this is i i'm gonna get torn apart for this but i i'm not a huge anchorman fan like it's funny it's got its moments you gotta however it's really fucking quotable it is yeah it's and, a good point and both of these movies i and every time i put a coat on i'm like i i always stretch my arms out. i'm like am i too fat for this coat like am my shoulder too big like fat guy so anyway let's start with phil on this one most quotable uh to me big gulps takes it over the top dumb and dumber hard for that one big gulps huh takes it over the top and then there there's some other like real low-key <laughs> <laughs> where Lloyd <laughs> drives up to the mansion early in the movie when he's still driving the limo and he goes, well, suck me! And then just walks up to the front door and that's it! There's no context. He just says, suck me and walks up to the front door. Like, that movie has so many quick passing weird quotes in it that I feel like people just either still quote or you instantly hear it and you laugh because it's amazing. And that's not to discount the brilliance behind Tommy Boy because <laughs> Tommy Boy, genius movie. But to me, this one quotable also goes dumb and dumber. This is one of the, the hardest categories we've tackled. I mean, they're both incredibly quotable as has been stated already, but Tommy Boy with dough and schnikes and brothers got to shake hands and fat guy in a little coat and, you know, you're naughty and, you know, all that stuff. It, it, it To me, it's not even a contest. It's got to go. Tommy boy. This was tough, and this is one of the toughest categories we've ever had because we've done a lot of movies that aren't super quotable. We've just done a lot of really deep movies, scary movies. I still go dumb and dumber on this, not to continue to, although at this point I'm proud to shovel some dirt on Drew with his fanaticism of Tommy boy here in this conversation. Hey, it's a great film. In defense of Jeff Daniels, Drew. I love Jeff Daniels. I don't he's know. He's not funny. You keep saying that. But he's great. That's like, you keep saying, I think it's words. I think it's just words. It's easy to say words. You don't love Jeff Daniels. We made it a bulldog and a shih tzu. <laughs> if you don't think that is funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I wish you could see Phil's face. But um, I, uh, there are moments, if I see, this is how much of an impact the quotes of Dumb and Dumber had on me. If I see people holding sodas that look like they came from a restaurant, I want to say big gulps. Big gulps, huh? huh? If it's a Chick-fil-A right, cup well or... It's See just, you later. It has impacted me so deeply. I can't even. I can't even stop thinking. Everyone that, so. knows that line. It's like the thing to say when an when an awkward silence happens in a conversation. Well, see you later. See you later. And the skis and the scene where he's at the bar waiting for Mary and he what, what does he do? He asks him what time it is and he's he's obviously he's been there three <laughs> hours over time. Is it ten a.m. yet? It's uh, it's actually one p.m. Uh, 
That's what oh, I thought. That's what I thought. Thought it was fast. <laughs> My watch was faster. <laughs> well, Drew, despite all your efforts to sabotage Jeff Daniels, landslide victory, Dumb and Dumber. Well, okay, not a landslide. landslide is cr- seven to four. Both great films. We only tackle the best on this podcast. They're both great. There are, our war score doesn't indicate how brilliant both these movies are, including Tommy Boy. Usually we end with our personal preference, but I don't even know if we need to. Yeah, we can just go around the horn. Less than three seconds. Go. Tommy Boy. Easy. It's way funnier. Having a dumb guy and a smart guy is just a way better concept. The dumb guy trying to, it's way more emotional and compelling because he's trying to get the girl in a healthy, wholesome way and also do good by his dead father. It's, you know, it's just a way better movie than two fucking morons Mm -hmm. trying to return a briefcase. Like what even Tommy Boy? Easy. I love sin and debauchery. And also I love uh, dumb and dumber. Oof, almost Freudian slip there. I go dumb and dumber. And and to me, it's most mostly because of the nostalgia factor. If I had had, you know, the the childhood experiences with Tommy Boy that I had had with Dumb and Dumber, I'd probably be sitting here defending the opposite. But um, to me, Dumb and Dumber is the better comedy. But I mean, honestly, it depends on who you are and what you like. And they're both they're and both the best in their category. Yeah, I mean, they're both yeah. the best of the best. So, but for me, it's Dumb and Dumber. But that doesn't really mean anything. Comedies are communal. I agree. It's not that. even the best movie that Jim Carrey made that year. We're living on a rock, floating through space. People, what the <laughs> fuck does it matter? We're floating through the universe on a planet, and I'm tired of nobody talking about it. (laughs) We'll cover that next time. We'll We'll get to that. I obviously go Dumb and Dumber. I I think as a comedian, watching Jim Carrey do what he does is pretty incredible. I I can't believe what he can do with his body, with his voice, with his face. He's the total package. I think he could do stand-up tomorrow morning if he wanted to. Um, And I think a big difference, and one thing I do love about Drew is, Drew, you embrace sentimentality. That's why I'm a Seinfeld guy. You're a Friends guy, even though I love both, and I think you like both. You lean friends, I lean Seinfeld. I don't need a, lo- a big level of sentimentality in my comedies. And I like, I almost like, because I'm such a diehard, and this was laid in me with Seinfeld, I'm such a diehard Seinfeld fan. I don't need sentimentality to laugh. I don't need a romance. I don't need a relationship. Pure boisterous insanity. It's the reason I love Naked Gun. It's the reason I love Fletch. I go Dumb and Dumber because I just love the insanity. And uh, yeah, that's where I go. Two great Boom. films, though. Two great classic comedies. The they don't make them like this anymore. I, I totally respect y'all's freedom and right to be incorrect. So, uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in. This was a great uh, battle. Again, we only picked the best, and uh, these were two great films. Just because it won the war card, this war card's completely for fun. These are great films. Uh, God rest in peace, Chris Farley. We wish we could have seen you flesh out your career yes. more. Uh, Jim Carrey, thank you for giving us all the great... God uh, bless you. God bless you. Great great dramatic roles later. Two great comedies, and if you haven't watched them recently, go to your friend's house. Comedies are best enjoyed together. Watch them with your friends. Watch them with your friends with your family have a great day thank you for tuning in to the movie wars podcast ladies and gentlemen drew phil and i want to thank you for hanging out with us on the movie wars podcast if you want to hang out with us until the next episode drops find us on instagram and tiktok username movie wars podcast if you really love us and want to support us financially we would love you back for it contributing to us on patreon not only supports us financially but it gets you access to private content that's not available to everyone thank you again for hanging out with drew phil and i we love you have a great week